Governance Committee. Uh, it's Tuesday, March 7th. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, I'm Amanda Sawyer, representing District 5, and I have the honor of chairing this committee. Um, and before we get started, we are going to do introductions, and we're going to start on my right. Good afternoon, everyone. Chris Hines, Denver's Perfect 10. Good afternoon, Kendra Black, District 4. Good afternoon, Deborah Ortega, at large. All right, we have one more council member joining us. I'm gonna talk really slowly until she has a second. Good afternoon, Robin Kneech at large. Great, thanks so much for being here. And can we pop onto Zoom? Good afternoon, Candy Sedevaca, District 9. Fantastic, thank you. So um, our first action item today is 23-0215. Um, and so Michael, if you wanna come and introduce yourself and take it away. Thank you. Good afternoon, council members and FinGov committee members. I'm Michael Kerrigan with the city's Department of Finance. With me today are representatives from the Gennardo Market Metropolitan District, Laura Newman and uh, Jeff Jones. We are here today to present a request for the first amendments to the service plans for the Gennardo Market Metropolitan Districts numbers one through three. Set along the South Platte River, the Denargo Market Development Project is anticipated to become, to become an organic, connected, and inclusive expansion of Denver's urban fabric. The development plan includes- Michael, I'm sorry to interrupt, but could you speak just a little bit more loudly? Sure. Thank you. The, the, uh, the development plan includes vibrant and restored South Platte River frontage, high quality residential communities, desirable office space, neighborhood supportive retail, and unique public open spaces that cater to residents, office tenants, and the Denver community. To facilitate the development of the site, three metropolitan districts have been created. The districts are located north of downtown, generally at the southeast, intersection, uh, southeast corner of Arkins Court and 29th Street. The three districts encompass approximately 28 acres. The service plans for the districts were originally approved in March of 2010 to, facil to facilitate the financing, construction, maintenance, and operation of the public improvements for the, for the Denargo Market Development Project. District numbers two and three are the financing districts and are depicted in the graphic in the blue and orange shaded areas, respectively. District number one is the management district and is depicted in the small yellow call-out area. The district's powers include all of the normal metropolitan district powers associated with public improvement, ownership, and maintenance. The original service plans for the districts anticipated the public improvement costs to be approximately $22 million with a build out by 2018. The Denargo Market project is currently still in the development stage and is approximately half built out. The land included in district number two is primarily constructed of residential apartment units. The remaining undeveloped portion of the project is primarily the land included in district number three boundaries. <clears throat> this slide depicts some of the selected financial details for the districts. The original service plans have a number of mill levy limitations, including a debt plus operations and maintenance or O&M mill levy cap of 50 mills, a debt only cap of 40 mills, an operating or O&M mill levy cap of 10 mills, and a regional mill levy cap of 10 mills. The original service plans have a dollar limitations for the amount of debt that can be issued. That limit is $22.6 million. District number two is the only district to have, any, to have issued any debt. In 2016, district two took out a loan with a principal balance of approximately $10.9 million. The loan proceeds were used to pay for infrastructure costs, cost of, uh, cost of issuance, funding and interest reserve, and reimbursement of district expenses. 
The loan has a current balance of approximately $9.8 million with a maturity date 2046. The districts expend their funds on the typical district expenses like accounting, management, insurance, legal, debt repayment, maintenance, landscaping, and utilities. So why are we here before you today? As I stated before, the project is approximately half undeveloped and in 2021, the developer who owns that undeveloped portion of the project processed a rezoning and received an approved amended and restated general development plan or GDP. The new, the, the new zoning and GDP increased the development density for the project and that greater development, development density requires additional public infrastructure investments and greater operations and maintenance expenses. Those additional investments are most notably related to parks improvements. As part of the rezoning and amended GDP process, the developer and the districts have also executed a previously approved development agreement with the city. That development agreement controls the infrastructure improvements, parks and recs open space requirements, transportation demand or TDM requirements, the environmental requirements and affordable housing requirements for the remaining portion of the project. What will actually be changing with the service plan amendments? The description of the districts is being updated to be consistent with the new zoning. The description also contains updated population estimates from approximately 6,000 people, from 6,600 people to just over 12,000 people. The projected assessed value at build out is being updated from just over $30 million to just over $207 million. And the projected build out of the project is being updated from 2018 to 2029. With the extended time frame for build out and the more intense zoning, which requires greater public infrastructure investments, the costs for the public infrastructure are different as compared to the original service plans. The service plans have been amended to reflect these additional updated costs from $22.6 million in the original service plan to approximately $68 million in the amended plan. The most notable cost increase is related to parks. The original plan included costs for parks of $850,000, and the amended plan includes approximately $9.5 million. Those changes are coming with, those changes are coming from increased costs and expanded, expanded scope of improvements. The amended service plan will also allow the districts to provide programming services with an explicit mention for authorizing a farmer's market. The amended service plans are increasing the O&M mill levy limit from 10 mills to 15 mills uh, to help fund those additional programming services, but the overall mill levy cap is still remaining unchanged at 50 mills, so there will be no new additional mill levies. The updated service plan uh, increases the debt capacity from 22.6 million to 142 million. This aligns with the district's proposed 2023 Tabor election questions and is commensurate with the additional infrastructure costs being borne by the districts. The amended service plans also contain an updated financing plan, which aligns with the current market assessment levels, new projected build out for commercial and residential development and updated debt and issuance and, update, and updated debt issuance projections. The updated financing plan exhibits that the district can discharge the anticipated debt issuances with the service plan within the service plan limitations. Additionally, the amended plans contain the standard disclosure notice from the city's model service plan. <clears throat> Assuming passage today, we will be at council for first reading on March 20th, and then second reading for the uh, and then second reading and the public hearing on the 28th. With that, I can open up to any questions. All right, thank you. Um, really appreciate that. I'm going to give it a minute for 
any council members to jump in. Let's start with Councilmember Keach. Thanks very much. Um, I appreciate I was reached out to to um, offer information about this. I was unable to accommodate the briefing, so I just want to acknowledge that just schedule did not allow. Um, the fact that this, the presentation mentions that the streets are owned by the Metropolitan District. Why is that? Why were they not turned over to the public right of way? Um, actually, I don't know. I was not in, in those discussions. Um, is anybody from You have to come to the microphone, introduce yourself, do it all formally, please, for the viewers on channel eight. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, good afternoon. My name is Paula Williams. I'm with the law firm of McGeady Becker and we serve as general counsel to the district. I wasn't um, general counsel at the time, our firm was though, when the initial development was done. Uh, however, I am, have understood that the streets that were built in Denargo are atypical, meaning they were not built to uh, Denver normal standards. And as a result, Denver did approve going forward with those atypical street sections. However, Denver wasn't willing to accept operation and ownership and maintenance of those streets. And so that's how they became district owned. Okay. And so I guess, and I don't know who this question is for, but I'm trying to kind of see the forest for the trees here. So you're not increasing, you're, you're increasing the operational mills from what to 15? From um, our cap currently is 10 mills and we are asking to increase to 15. We are certainly hoping that based on the projected assessed value at build out, that we will not need to impose near the 15. However, before that AV comes on, there's always a lag time between the time an improvement is constructed in the ground and the time it's fully assessed for tax purposes, there may be a year or two that we may need to bump it up in order to meet contractual obligations um, that we anticipate with Denver for uh, park and rec purposes, as well as our normal operations and maintenance expenses. But the overall cap is still 50 and we can Correct. go back to, okay. So the overall cap is still 50. Correct. So it doesn't change the overall cap, but the total cost of improvements is going from 22.6 to 68. So how is it that you're tripling the total cost, but you're not changing the overall total mills? And I, I see that our city staff wants to go ahead and answer that. So we're gonna okay. turn it back over to him. Great. Thanks. So yeah, it's because it's a function of the assessed value. The assessed value of the district is growing at a much higher rate than that tripling of the costs. So there's more properties that are gonna be assessed so they can support a much greater amount of debt. That's, that's one way to look at it too, but then just the value of the property is, is greater than, than previously contemplated. It's not just that there's more of them. There's more, there's more of them and there's also higher values. And the higher values are 
because of the density of those properties, the size of them, or just that they literally are just worth more because of the market having changed since the... It's, it's, it's all of that. Primarily time, the, the density, the size of the building as compared to the original service building. Okay. Um, I think those are my questions for now. Is there, any, is there someone else in the queue? There is someone else in the queue, but yep. if you want to jump back in, Thanks. I've got a couple yep. questions as well. So great. That's, that's great. Thank yep. you. Council member Ortega. Um, so it sounds like this is kind of a, an example of being a victim of their own success because they've developed so much already in the area that the property values have uh, gone up. Is that part of it, the assessed value? It, it could be. And then, you know, okay. also changing market dynamics. You know, they want to uh, something different with the undeveloped portion that's um, still there. So I want to ask about the open space and whether or not the open space that's part of this area is expected to be turned over to the city or will this be under their management, control, maintenance, etc.? cetera? Uh, when you say old space, do you mean the, the streets that are in districts? Is there, was there not green space that was... Um, anticipated as part of this overall metro district? Oh, oh okay. Yes, there is. And Michael, it looks like you've got someone who wants to answer that question as well. So if you could please come up and just introduce yourself, that'd be great. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Laura Newman, representative with the metro district on the board. So per our development agreement, we're building over just, just over four acres of open space. And about three, I can't remember the exact number, about three of those acres are actually on uh, city-owned land. A lot of it's along the South Platte River frontage. So we're going to, as part of our development, improve all of those four acres. Some of it's on privately owned land that will eventually be conveyed to the Metro District. And then part of it is on the publicly owned land, that's city-owned land today, and will remain that way. But as part of the original GDP, the intent was whomever the master developer is that ultimately builds out the, the largest chunk of land and does the, the horizontal infrastructure work is going to be responsible for improving city-owned land. It's something that we inherited it, inherited in the so general that's on the construction site. On the maintenance site, who's responsible for yep. the maintenance? So on the maintenance side, per the development agreement that we negotiated with the city in 2021, is the Metro District would enter into an operations and maintenance agreement with the city that says the Metro District is responsible for maintenance on the privately owned land and the city owned land. For both, okay. For both of them. Okay, Correct. and um, so it all abuts the river. So the contribution from the Met District was not the full four acres because part of that is, is city open space along the Flat River, is that? Did I hear that correctly? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. Um, and, and what's the total acreage between uh, district one, two, and three of this net district? So I know that the, the, the parcels that are undeveloped is 13 acres, okay. or just shy of 13 acres. But the entire district that's including the land that's currently developed, I think it's 28. Yeah. All of the apartment buildings that were built in early uh, or in the 2010 to 2015s that are in that area off Brighton Boulevard, 
that was part of the work that was done by the previous developer, Cypress Real Estate Advisors and all those streets that they built. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I cannot remember the exact acreage of the entire area. 28 acres. And what was built as part of that original development, there's that little park area, bench area and a dog park that exists right off of Brighton Boulevard uh, between some of the apartment buildings. Okay, that, those are all the questions I have. Thanks so much. Thank you. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yep, I do have ahead. one more. Um, so the Arkins Court side, what's the proximity to the tracks on, on that side? I'm looking mm -hmm. at a, a map that is different from yours, just seeing um, yep. the tracks and I'm just trying to understand the proximity. So it's really Denargo Street that is closest to the, the tracks, the uh, Union Pacific and the elevated end line. So there's a couple buildings that have been built between Denargo Street and the train tracks that are not part of the Metro district. They're not in the boundaries of the district. But what is somewhat near the, the elevated end line is some of the city owned land that per the GDP were required to improve into open space. Okay, so that parkland will be part of the buffer between, mm -hmm. and, and then you also have part of Arkins Coat Arkans Court, the road. Yes. That is also part of the buffer exactly. from the track. Correct. Okay. Correct. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Let's go online to Councilmember Sedebaco, please. Uh, thank you. I don't have questions. I just wanted to um, call for a voice vote. Absolutely. We can do that at the end. Um, I do have a couple of questions and I'm not sure if Councilmember Kamich wants to get back in. Um, okay. Great. Thank you. Um, so, Metro Districts. Uh, these metro districts were originally set up in 2010. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And so 13 years ago, mm -hmm. there was a very different landscape of um, the opportunity to build in Denver than there is today. I would, that's correct. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm, I'm very clear because we, we understand there are a lot of uh, concerns about metro mm -hmm. districts on the back end, but metro districts are not managed at the city level, those are state level. So I wanna make sure I kind of, yeah. I'm understanding. So essentially you're here today to change these, uh, to, to change the Metro district um, differential. You, you, you're still stopping at 50, mm -hmm. but you're asking for operational versus, um, what was the other one, Michael? Please the, remind the debt, me. The debt, the debt. Mill levies that will go towards. Yeah. That's right, the mill levies that mm -hmm. will go towards debt, okay. Mm -hmm. So, and that is due to inflation, the cost of um, materials, the cost of all of those different things, and the fact that this metro district originally contemplated less number of units than mm -hmm. are going to go there now as a result of a rezoning. Am I? Yes, you are completely accurate. In okay. That summary. Okay. Really appreciate that. I just want to make sure I, I've wrapped my mind around the change circumstances. Yes. So then, which makes perfect sense to me, um, but I just want to make sure I understand what is going to happen on the back end, right? So the, mm -hmm. there are many people who have concerns about Metro districts. The concern that we hear most from people who have issues with Metro districts um, is the resulting additional property taxes on the owners of those mm -hmm. Um, of those properties. So can you explain to me then what will the actual logical result 
in property taxes to the people who live in Denargo now mm -hmm. um, be as a result of this should it pass? Right, good question, thank you. So ultimately right now, given that these service plans are in place today, all property owners are being uh, assessed or the, the additional mill levy is being applied to all owners today. The apartments that exist today, the land that is owned by developers today. So it's not a new mill levy that will come to all of the, the, the people that live there right now and the owners that live there are there right now at some point when we complete all of this work. Ultimately, when buildings are built, the city will place an assessment on those, on those uh, buildings. And ultimately the property owner is going to receive that bill. And that's just, that hits their, their bottom line essentially as an expense that goes in. And so it's, there's, there's no real change necessarily that's happening to date from, it's just that it's gonna be a higher bill based upon the higher assessed value, but they're operating buildings at that time versus just for, for people that own land right now, they're getting assessed at mill levy. They're not really seeing any benefit to it because the infrastructure is not there yet. So, you know, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Really no, you well. are. <laughs> that's, that's great. So yeah. um, acknowledging that when these buildings are built, then mm -hmm. there will be a somewhat higher um, uh, tax property tax bill yes. to the owners mm -hmm. of this land. Is that correct? That's correct. Wait. Okay, wait, you're shaking your head and you're There's saying yes. So do you want to, <laughs> what is happening? Wait, uh, so, so we need, hold, hold, time out, time out. So uh, we have people on Zoom and they can't hear you. So if you're gonna speak, we need you to please come to the microphone um, and say whatever it is that you wanna say to answer the question, that's totally fine. But we just need to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to come to the microphone and speak. So if you wanna yeah, introduce- Hi, my name is Jeff Jones. Uh, I am also a Metro District Board member. I uh, appreciate your time today. I think to answer your question, in as it stands today, the Metro District charges 33 mills to handle its existing debt capacity mm -hmm. and 11 mills for the service plan. Okay. It's technically capped at 10, but due to the Gallagherization, they're able to uptick it ever so slightly. So as of today, it's at 44 mills. With future improvements and all the costs that come with those and future assessed value, eventually that could increase up to this 50 mil cap that we currently have. It's not needed today simply because there's not enough debt that demands it. And so that's ultimately where it could land is the only real difference from today to then would be 44 mils to 50 mils. That's, okay. the, that's the difference. And to be very clear and make sure that I'm understanding this correctly, you're not asking for anything above 50 mils and you are already granted 50 mils by a council in 2010. That's correct. The only distinction is how that's allocated and upping the, the operational mill levy only to accommodate these additional improvements just in case. And in particular, as Paula had mentioned previously, that's it, as the assessed value is catching up to ultimately the amount of improvements that have been done. You keep, it's, it just, we may need more operational mills simply to support the existing infrastructure prior to additional buildings coming on to be able to support it on its own at a lower level. Got it. Okay. Thank you for that yes. explanation. I really appreciate it. And before we move on, I just want to make sure no one else has anything to add. Okay. Perfect. Thank you for that explanation. Um, we've got council member Hines. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, committee chair. So I, I think I heard today a hundred percent of the properties are getting levied. Correct. Are the, uh, the property, the owners of a hundred percent of the properties in the district are, are getting uh, 
Yeah, so, so metric district number two um, is that 40, 44, 40, it's actually about 45 mils. District number three right now is, uh, is it 10 mils. Okay. Um, is there, uh, is there additional develop, uh, there's additional development that's planned for the site, is that correct? Um, and so I'm sorry, I, I guess I should wait for an answer. <laughs> I hear head, I see head nodding, but the folks on Zoom can't necessarily see the head nodding. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, and I'm, a, I'm guessing that that new development would, uh, would fall under enhanced housing affordability. Is that also fair that the, some, there would be projects uh, submitted after June 30th of last year? It's a good question. So we negotiated our development agreement during the rezoning process prior to EHA going into effect. So for any multifamily that's built on the site, we have a separately negotiated agreement uh, that all, anyone who builds on that site is gonna have to adhere to that agreement that's in place. So it differs slightly to what's in place EHA citywide. Okay, um, so it was finished before EHA was passed, um, but you do intend to put some affordable housing on yes. the property? Okay, so um, what made me think of this line of questioning at all is uh, we talked about another district um, that is on, uh, well, the voters are gonna decide here <laughs> um, what happens uh, with, with that district, but, um, but they talked about how the uh, mills would not apply to affordable um, you know, uh, units that uh, fell under the affordable umbrella. Is that something that um, I'm just asking to ask, not to, uh, um, not to lobby for change. I just, I just wanna know what we're working with. So Metro districts have ad valorem taxing powers. We impose property taxes. If an entity is tax exempt, they don't need to pay property taxes. So typical tax exempt entities, churches, hospitals. I understand uh, that some affordable housing owners are organized as tax exempt entities. If they are exempt from property taxation in the state of Colorado, they would be exempt from paying Metro district mills. Okay. Um but not as a matter of course, the, the um, affordable properties or the affordable units if they were owned by individuals, they would just be taxed uh, at whatever rate. The, so we look, it is based on whether or not it is subject to property tax in the state of Colorado. So if the state of Colorado exempted affordable housing, it would be exempt from our mill levy. If the state of Colorado exempts it because of the owner is tax exempt, it would be exempt. I am not aware that a residential development that is aimed towards uh, affordable housing, absent being owned by a tax exempt entity would be exempt. Okay, uh, that's fine. And if the state were to somehow make that change, that would create a lot of uh, a lot of work for a lot of people. So, yeah, uh, yeah I was just asking to ask, sure. not to um, affect change. Okay, thank you, thank you, uh, committee chair. Absolutely. Um, okay, we do not have anyone else in the queue, um, so want to give everyone one more look. 
looks like everyone is done with questions. Um, Councilmember Sedebaca has requested a voice vote, and I've got a mover, Councilmember Hines, seconded by Councilmember Kniech. Um, can we please go ahead with a voice vote, Luke? Sure. Sedebaca? No. Hines? Aye. Black? Aye. Ortega? Aye. Kniech? Aye. Madam Chair? Aye. One nay, five eyes. All right, so we will go ahead and see you on the floor. Thanks very much for your time today. Um, council members, we have 13 items on consent. So please double check your calendars. Um, in, unless you wanna call anything off, we are adjourned. <laughs>